0: Hello and welcome to the TV soup podcast on the drink five network. Welcome to the show. My name is David Cross. For me is Jason. Uh, we always talk about a different TV show. Sometimes throughout the whole series. Sometimes not, depending on how good or bad it is. Uh, and right now, we're going to be talking about the Daredevil series, which is brand new on Netflix.
1: Yes, it is uh, in the set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. One of the more anticipated Netflix series of the year, I would guess. And uh, we watched the first two episodes, so you'll be getting spoilers for the first two episodes, but uh, no further. We're going to try and do about two episodes a week to cover this series. Uh, So in true Netflix fashion, we will watch it faster than the normal TV network would allow.
0: There you go. So I wanted to bring up a little bit about the network that it's on. First of all, Netflix has kind of taken over the marketplace here, and and that's good in a lot of respects because they have um, definitely... Gone to great lengths to make themselves different from all of the other ways that you can consume television, and that means things like uh, cable and network television on regular uh, on regular cable uh, uh, providers like Comcast, AT and T, uh, you know, Direct whatever. And actually, Netflix, when they talk about it, they talk about that as linear TV, as television uh, with, you know, a little bit of an exception there for on demand. Uh, but even. In that case, you're still watching things in the order that they become available because they're not immediately available in their entirety as they are in Netflix. So in Netflix, if, if someone creates a series, it's available as soon as it's created. And it's yeah. not something that you have to wait for every week, etc., which is a, a very different way of doing TV.
1: They've gotten very, uh, I think, into doing that sort of release. But when you look at a show like Game of Thrones that's able to build hype from week to week to week and really become hugely popular, I don't think that Netflix shows are going to be able to achieve that simply because they just blow their load all at once and they have nothing left over. They need to sort of string people along at least a little bit.
0: Well, there's still season one, season two, season three, season four. There's a great amount of anticipation between those seasons. Sure. Uh, You're just talking about a model that is like, uh, you know, something that's been going on forever as opposed to this newer model, which is totally different. And, of course, you're going to have issues there. Uh, Now, that said... I think that's just one
1: of the areas where the new model is lacking.
0: Well, but a lot of that is based on our previous experience with TV, which has been our entire lives, which has always been that way. Right, but now
1: there's been several shows that have been released on Netflix that have had, you know, varying degrees of success. Uh, And we can kind of, we have a small, but we do have a sample size where we can say, you know, I certainly think that a, a show like House of Cards while it's very popular in a sort of cult following, could have been even more popular had it had the chance to sort of uh, be stretched out. Because that's a perfect show where it's just all serialized, leaves you on lots of cliffhangers, makes you really want to watch the next episode. But
0: you're still doing that. I don't, in a way, I don't, I don't see the difference. And
1: having that communal experience, I think,
0: artificially you know, inflates the show. Well, Netflix also doesn't tell you what their stats are. They don't have to and they don't. So they you don't know exactly how popular that they are. Because it's not about a show. It's it's not about watching. You know roughly how many
1: subscribers they have at least.
0: That's the only information that you know that they release. And and it's a whole different business model. So I mean you've got Netflix, so you got a bunch of people who pay somewhere between six and uh, fifteen or twenty dollars, depending on what their subscription is. Most people probably pay the smaller amount, which is six ninety nine or something, uh, for the uh, regular monthly streaming. Now, if you have fifty million uh, subscribers, then that means that every month you'll have uh, three hundred million dollars.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of freaking money.
0: Well, it's it's a better uh, model when you have when you scale to that level than the other models are, because those are dependent on on commercials or uh, on on some other way of advertising.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of things can make a whole lot of money in the traditional model, though. Just look at the NFL. You know, their their TV contracts are in the billions of dollars every year, and you know that they're making you know. Two, three times that in the commercials.
0: Well, you're right. There's that. a lot to talk about here, but there's no arguing with the fact that they are the biggest thing in uh, in new media that is not a regular traditional uh, television or cable channel. Absolutely. And my biggest point was that stuff like HBO is now going to probably be having the best TV that they have ever made just to keep up with Netflix because they're not keeping up with Netflix is the... Is the actual reality. HBO,
1: I would say, is the one that's keeping up the most with Netflix in terms of transitioning everything to be available online.
0: Um, yeah, but they're all behind Netflix. Netflix is now the superpower.
1: Netflix has the best internet distribution system. Uh, although I will give credit to HBO Go, it's like... It's not even second best, but it works very well and it's always... The right quality this And that's what,
0: that's what matters to me This guy's an HBO apologist over here
1: I love the th- Look, HBO produces way more quality television Than Netflix That's does. because
0: Netflix just started And is already starting to surpass all of the other networks Which is uh, amazing mm-hmm. to me What's going to happen in five, ten they're, years
1: They're basically the two networks that I've been watching the most lately I watched Bloodlines I watched Marco Polo I watched Peaky Blinders Now we're watching Daredevil Which we should probably get back to at some point
0: you, you mentioned the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, which this takes place in, and that we would do to about two episodes per podcast. Uh, the idea, of course, to to sort of uh, get behind uh, all of the motivations of the characters and, and try to figure out what's going on in the series. Now, what, what I think we should impress upon are... Uh, listeners is is that neither of us really have that big of a background in comics i've watched all of the things that have been created in the marvel cinematic universe thus far um that were major tv or movie um appearances okay
1: i'm pretty sure i've seen all the movies uh and then really the only thing i'm missing is shield
0: and agent carter and agent
1: carter now yeah
0: and then there's also like will be aka jessica jones which comes up here shortly on netflix um and they're slated to have a ton of Marvel properties yeah. because they're the perfect medium for the for these. It kinds really
1: of is. I'm excited. Like my instinct today was to go ahead and watch a couple more episodes. And we've agreed that we won't watch ahead. So uh if if we're prognosticating about something, we're not secretly giving you spoilers. We truly don't know, and we're guessing.
0: Right. So the series was created by Drew Goddard, who worked with JJ J. Abrams uh in such capacities as Alias Lost and Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. Josh Whedon from Buffy, Angel, and Cabin in the Woods. I've seen all of those series uh, and movies that are mentioned in their entirety. And although Cloverfield was uh, a misstep, it was still uh, a step in the right direction. I don't know if you saw that movie. It I had have not. It had great uh, uh, witty dialogue and a possibility of being good. However, it ended up just being sort of a, a monster movie for young adults, uh, ultimately. Uh, however, they, they did a lot of things, um, outside of the movie to try to, to bring it into, into our culture. They did a lot of, they did like an, uh, uh, what do they call that? A um, A handheld camera thing? No, 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 no. It, it, It had shaky cam as far as like the footage found footage is what they call that. Um, as far as how the movie was filmed. But what I'm talking about is, is outside of the movie itself, they had a whole bunch of like games and things going on, like puzzles and riddles uh, on the internet uh, oh, leading okay. up to it. Yeah,
1: that, As part of the promotion.
0: Yeah, it's great, great marketing effect. Uh, Cabin in the Woods uh, is, is one of those movies that got such critical acclaim that it, some people have proclaimed it to be one of the best horror movies of all time. It's actually one of my favorites. I think it is fantastic. It is sort of, at the same time, uh, like something that is praising old movies, but also uh, making fun of them and parodying them at the same time. Yeah. Um, and uh, Goddard was initially given the role of showrunner, uh, but he had to step down because he was offered a chance to write and direct Sinister Six, which was this group of supervillains from the Superman series. They were going to make this as sort of an unofficial sequel uh, well, official sequel, I guess, being that it's Marvel. Uh, sure. To The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which was the most recent reboot of Spider-Man. Instead of doing that, Sony decided to put Sinister Six on the shelf and move forward with another Spider-Man reboot.
1: So is are the Spider-Man movies a part of this Marvel Cinematic, cinematic Universe? The
0: previous ones were not. Okay. Because Sony had purchased the, the rights. The
1: newest coming up one will be.
0: You're stealing my thunder here, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. But... uh. But yeah, so Sony had purchased the rights to Spider Man to do that, and and they have certainly used them out. Um, you know, making a ton of different Spider Mans. I didn't even see the last one, to be honest with you. Um, the first three were
1: so, like left such a bad taste in my mouth that the next three were really unappealing to me. And well, nobody ever told me, no, seriously, you should go watch it. I didn't mind. So
0: I didn't mind know, the first two Spider Men with uh, with Tobey Maguire. If that's what you're talking about,
1: yeah, the third one was really bad though.
0: It it wasn't great for sure, but what's happening now is that Sony has decided to share Spider Man with Marvel, and uh, and basically Marvel and Sony and uh, and the director and writer, which is going to be uh, Drew Drew Goddard, uh, are making it so that they will be an actor for a long time, so that they can bring him into the cinematic universe along with everybody else, the Avengers, Captain America, you know, everybody. Yeah. So and They're just going to
1: mix and match whenever the hell they want.
0: Well, th- that's the point, really. Uh, <laughs> Guardians it, of the Galaxy. It all exists in the same universe, so everyone should, at times, uh, perhaps intermingle or at least be mentioned in the other series. Right, and like things that
1: have happened in one universe affect... What's going on in the next? Yeah, so a bit of a tangent as but we see in this.
0: Thought you should have the background information and and know that Drew is a really well respected and and great writer and director of films and television. So that makes me super happy, and it also reflects in in kind of the the witty dialogue and uh, and the overall knowledge of this universe uh, that's presented. So first episode, "Into the Ring" is the name of the episode. So, uh, several times in this particular episode, they they do mention the Avengers, kind of, um, once by uh, just them talking about when they're trying to rent some crappy apartment in Hell's Kitchen uh, in order to...
1: Before the incident, it was this.
0: Yeah, the incident being the Avengers movie. Right. (laughs) Destroying New York City. And I think uh, Matt Murdock, uh, who's Charlie Cox, uh, who's obviously Daredevil in this show, um, mentioned something under his breath a little bit. He's like, "Oh, you mean like the death and destruction rained down from the heavens?"
1: Oh, I didn't catch that line.
0: When when someone says like, "Oh, the incident or whatever happened," right? He's like, "Oh, you mean like all oh, that the terrible, awful craziness that happened here?" Um, so once, no wonder this
1: guy is ready to just like throw his life into doing something like this.
0: Well, I mean, there's a lot going on, and what has happened? Well, think
1: about how that just that having happened can affect a person
0: well what's happened in hell's kitchen for example was that if this is sort of present day except in the marvel universe right. hell's kitchen became a better area and and they're not saying that it didn't uh because this is sort of what we're talking about but because of this incident because of the avengers movie because of uh this destruction that happened a lot of uh, criminals have now been able to sort of uh harbor themselves into this uh city and and start uh coming up with these plans and and you know sort of uh, rebuilding Hell's kitchen as uh, as CD underbelly of uh, right of the city
1: incorporating that into the rebuilding
0: yeah so Charlie uh, well Matt Murdoch, Charlie Cox and foggy Nelson who's sort of uh, his sidekick uh, they form <laughs> Nelson and Murdoch, which is a law firm trying to find clients in order to pay their electric bill because they don't currently have any clients. And in fact, they've only been in business for a number of hours um, when we start the film. So like we said, we're not too familiar with the backstory in the comics. In fact, I've never read a Daredevil comic, so I don't know what the like origin story is or who, who the main uh, villains are, or who a love interest is or any of that stuff. The only thing I do know is from having watched the previous movie, I know of like one of the very main bad guys who I assume is is Vincent D'Onofrio who's kingpin.
1: Uh yeah, in the credits so far Vincent D'Onofrio has been listed, but he's not in the first two episodes.
0: Well, I think he is he's uh sort of we should expect him to be like the the main guy. Yeah.
1: Or you know what? I mean, it'd be interesting if he has been, but we haven't it hasn't been pointed out yet. So if he's just in the background of a shot or two, that could certainly be.
0: And we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in the next episode here. So I'm going to try to be quick, and please give me your comments, Jason. So uh, we know that uh, that Matt, when he's younger, saved some older gentleman by pushing him out of the way in the process, got some kind of chemical all over his face and eyes, which blinded him. We're not sure exactly what that chemical is. it's uh, some kind of I don't know hydrochloric acid or or some kind of toxic chemical. Now we don't know if that has any other effects other than just blinding him, but right, but for right now, uh, we assume anyway that that it doesn't. I suppose
1: I would. I would agree. I assume that it doesn't actually give him any other effects. I think that any sort of enhancements he has, uh, he's come about by. His own, you know, abilities.
0: So we know he's able to hear incredibly well. Uh, He's used people's hearts Smell very well. His people's heart's beat to see how anxious they are uh, and picking out voices from very far away and and smelling scents, etc. Being able to just feel like the the change in the air around him, etc. So... It's possible that there could be some kind of, uh, of superhuman or mutation here. Um, certainly, he has proved himself uh, throughout this episode to be more than just a regular human. Now, whether or not that's just a byproduct of, of him and his genetics and uh, him just training to be this way, uh-huh. or if it does have something to do with... with you know, something supernatural or, or scientific or whatever, that's yet to be determined. So gets his ass kicked a bunch of times in the episode. And I think that it's nice that they're showing that, uh, because if he is just a regular person and certainly he, he does seem to get beat up a lot and sort of stabbed, et cetera. Uh, I feel like he could definitely die, right? He's not like from Krypton, He's not. He's not invulnerable.
1: Oh, he certainly gets quite screwed up. Uh, you know, just in the second episode alone.
0: Okay, well we'll get, we'll get there in a minute. Yet, yes, uh, Karen Page, who is Deborah Ann Wall, who is from True Blood. She started up in the episode, and when 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 she comes into the episode, she's just kind of cowering uh, on on all fours with a knife. Uh, covered in blood over a dead body. So, what was the first thing you thought about? Um. Well, I thought well, about the True first, Blood. Yes,
1: exactly. It's oh, she's a vampire in this show too.
0: Yeah, you were just telling me uh, that that she filmed this like real shortly after wrapping up True Blood.
1: Yeah, it was 42 hours after she finished True Blood, she started work on Daredevil. That's nice. Yeah, that is a really good low low uh, downtime.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so she 's been saved by Nelson and Murdoch, who uh go after her case immediately because uh, because Nelson has this friend who 's not really a friend on the police force who 's giving him tips in exchange for cigars for his mother, which is a very strange relationship in general, but we assume uh from what we 've seen of foggy Nelson that he is a strange individual foggy and has Nelson
1: I got a guy named foggy,
0: yeah. He has some strange partnerships and relationships with people. And in general, uh, things that occur with him are just going to be a little bit uh, abnormal. I, I think. thought
1: for like a second that he might be a bad guy. but no. no, I don't. Not, not. Probably not.
0: Well, you never know what could happen. But she got saved. So Karen is, is, uh, is now um, signed on as the secretary for this law firm. And I think she's just paid in... Uh, um, well, smiles at the moment. And uh, <laughs> and we don't really know if she is is a good person or not. We do know that she was lying to, uh, to Matt, and Matt has still not really confronted her about that, at least that we've seen on camera. She lied to the That's people true. that were helping her, and she stole the file on a USB key that got her into trouble in the first place. So, do you think she had bad intentions in mind when we were watching the show? I know that you uh, you thought that uh, that perhaps she was trying to blackmail her boss or something, which is certainly a possibility. Yeah, especially if she
1: wound up with it.
0: So, do you think that perhaps she might not be like this? Uh, uh, you know, damsel in distress, and she may have ulterior motives in mind for getting into this relationship with these two guys. No, I
1: don't think that that part is. I think that she. Had ulterior motives in stealing the uh, file, but once uh, he was disguised and took the file, and it was basically, you know, sort of removed from her responsibility. I think it's a sort of uh, clean slate that they're trying to put on there, sure. where she can start anew and she can start helping them. Uh, unless you know,
0: well, I do think by her lying, said, that proves that you know there is something there that is sort of negative connotation to her character in general and that perhaps later on you know maybe she would lie about something else uh maybe she wasn't maybe she didn't have bad things in mind maybe she stole the usb key because she thought she could uh you know give it to someone to um you know to bring it to light but then if that was the case then why wouldn't she tell her lawyers
1: because she was doing something wrong with it
0: well, if she was doing something wrong with it then we have to we have to be on the lookout for her in the future, I suppose. Uh she doesn't seem like someone that uh you know, could be could be a bad person, could be putting our heroes in danger. But uh we do know from uh what happened in uh in True Blood that, you know, at any time she could she could strike. <laughs> she has fangs. That's you a good know, way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um and we talked a little about about this. We haven't seen Vincent D'Onofrio yet that we know, unless he's like dressed as a garbage can or something. Uh, probably not. <laughs> uh, but he is playing uh, Kingpin, which uh, in the Daredevil universe, uh, again, I don't know much, but I do know that from watching the previous movie, he was the main villain from that movie. And so I assume that he is the villain here. Uh, so Wesley, who's Toby Leonard Moore, and I'm not sure what he was in before uh but he's the guy running the operation
1: right he keeps referring to his boss he's the one who's talking to everybody
0: yeah um and i think he's great uh because he's he's kind of this guy that fills up the screen really really nicely but but every you kind of hate him but you're like i want to see more of him like i hate him so much i want to see more yeah because he's just kind of quippy and and like negative towards everybody right so uh he doesn't give a fuck yeah uh so, so your thoughts in general, I, I think uh, one of the things that I came away with after watching the first episode was, one, uh, watching shows on on the TV uh, that are in the Marvel Universe like uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and Agent Carter, I really like those shows, but being that they're network shows and being the network that they're on, um, I always kind of felt like they were they were they were shot as TV shows. They look like TV shows. They don't look like a movie, right? Um, but this kind of almost looks like a feature film to me.
1: It feels like one.
0: Yeah. So they did a good job of that. Like, if you watch the first two episodes together, um, I think it would it would almost be like an actual movie. I mean, of course, there's there's no specific ending after episode two. Well,
1: they link episode one the the final events of episode one to episode two, and they solve it in episode two. And then in episode two, you're sort of left uh, just like with the rest of everything, like, like the road to go.
0: Well, it's Netflix, so to speak. right? So episode two, Cut Man. Like other Netflix show, there's not really that sense of urgency that uh, that it seems like regular network or cable shows sometimes have. Um, whether they have a, a, a cliffhanger... Um, or or they uh, they try to immediately get into some some plot driven stuff. Yeah. Uh, Netflix shows, and at least in my experience, over the first couple episodes of the season, don't try to be very quick. Uh, and and they don't need to get everything out right away because it almost seems like people that watch Netflix stuff, they're they're already assuming that they're going to watch like four or five episodes just to figure out if they like it or not.
1: That's true. I think that people who watch things on Netflix are much more willing to invest more time into trying a show. Uh, That's one of the things that we talk about when we're deciding on shows. We just did a big list on the board the other night. And uh, the one thing you have to make sure you do is that you watch several episodes of something before you decide whether or not it's worth watching. Um, So I think Netflix does a very good job at understanding that. But it's maybe... Maybe they would benefit from throwing a few things in early. But, you know, when you look at other shows, like, one of the things that people complain about with Game of Thrones, the first episode, was that, oh, nothing happened. And, you know, it's all just um, reintroducing you.
0: Well, Game of Thrones is such a large universe. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, we
1: we have a very compact universe here, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, so you can spend more time with the characters. If if you were in Game of Thrones, and I know if people aren't watching that show, whatever. Let's let's just say uh, Game of Thrones has uh, thirty major characters. So, well, 30 characters that we care about. So yeah. if you have 30 characters we care about, then each episode you have to at least address half of them or else everyone's going to be upset about the And they're the going other to
1: half. forget about, yeah, and they're going to say, oh, you didn't cover my And app. so
0: every single show is like, let's catch up on what's happening everywhere because we have too many characters.
1: But yeah, there's a, certainly a lot of just focus on Matt and Frosty. Not, not Frosty, Foggy. <laughs> Frosty. Frosty. And uh, uh, what is, it's Karen is
0: her name. Because there's only a couple. Yeah, there's only a couple characters yeah. so far. And I'm sure there will be more. And Rosario Dawson, the nurse in this episode. Claire Temple, yep. Claire. Uh, so, as, as to your point, uh, this episode pretty much exists only, in my opinion, uh, to to just show that Matt Murdock can be killed. Like I talked about in the last episode, uh, Matt was uh, someone that got his ass kicked, right? And because he got his ass kicked... You're like okay, so this this is sort of a regular guy uh, that that has these these really great skills, but if he's up against you know a hundred people with rifles and they all shoot at him, he's gonna die. I mean that's just how it is. And in the beginning of this episode, uh, he actually uh, is in a dumpster outside of Claire Temple, who's Rosario Dawson's apartment, and I think that it's supposed to show us that. Uh, again, he can he can be killed at any time. He's just a regular person outside of uh, his bravado and athleticism, and probably uh, to tell us about Claire herself. So, the main focus of the show was what happened between Matt and Claire, and presumably uh, Claire is someone that Matt will lean on and have a relationship with throughout the series, and. Being a comic book story, you know, there's certain things you kind of have to suspend your disbelief about, um, and they do a good job of making it so you don't have to hold your breath for too long. But um, she's a nurse, which is just absolutely great for uh, for Matt because you can tell That's he's a very
1: handy plot device.
0: He's going to be cut up quite a lot in this show. <laughs> Um, and you know, they allude to that a lot. He's like, he's he's like his father, you know, they, they cut back Can take a beating. They cut back many times, uh, to, uh, to his origin story, which is great. Um, and it's difficult to understand why Claire wouldn't have called the cops. It's not all great. Sorry.
1: The cutbacks, cutbacks to the origin story. I'm not particularly thrilled with the father character. Well, he's dead. I understand that. And I hope that they stop flashing back to him now that he's dead, Um, but I, you know, the guy seemed like quite the deadbeat uh, and sort of an idiot, and yet he could raise, like, such a smart, gifted son is a little bit of a stretch for me. So, uh,
0: okay. I mean, uh, it's
1: not like the kid did everything. He needed something. I don't know. I, I just hope they kind of leave it where it is, and, you know, maybe there's someone else involved that... Uh, is a different mentor to him. That well, you read between
0: the lines, right? He, he went to school. Um, uh, he had this disability which forced him to read all the time and, and try to uh, figure out things uh, outside of, of the normal line of sight. Yeah. Uh, the whole point about this show in general, or the character, at least what I know of him, is that he uh, transcends uh, what it is to be just a normal person, and that's amazing because he doesn't have one of the major... Uh, you know things that everyone has, which is something
1: safe. that everyone yeah thinks is so necessary.
0: If he didn't transcend that, then it would be pointless, right? It would be like here's this guy who is an above average guy who is blind. <laughs> well, they do show his uh, thirst
1: for it early. One of the first things he uh, like learns in Braille is a Thurgood Marshall quote, and he becomes a lawyer. Thurgood Marshall, of course, was a
0: uh, Supreme Court justice. You, you have raised somewhat of a good point uh, in that we should talk about... I haven't read the comics, for example, but one of the things that's always prevalent in comics is these kinds of, uh, of origin stories, some of which are better than others. And what I have... Uh, well, w- what I do know is, is that Daredevil, I don't think, had like, a very massive or, or thorough origin story. It was kind of like, here's just this kid that was blind and now he does all this stuff. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe this TV show is fleshing it out. Um, but when you think about any of the origin stories of any of the superheroes in the Marvel Universe, they were kind of shallow. So, I mean, we shouldn't be looking, I don't think, too much into that. Okay. Just because they want to get it over with and be and like, here's he the story.
1: Okay. I'm all for that, I guess is my point. I don't want them to keep jump like it's fine if they want to keep showing him developing as a
0: kid, but I don't need to see much more of the father well you're you're not wrong but but he's dead uh you know Good. well they so, can
1: they can show flashbacks wherever they want
0: well sure but but so so, Jack seems to have thrown fights for money, beaten to a pulp because of it, left his son alone, let him drink scotch, had him stitch up his cuts, and it was a kid that was 10 years old, probably. So, Matt had to grow up too quickly uh, with a father that was not a good father, who left him home alone. He obviously didn't have uh, uh, his mother there all the time, so I don't know what that situation was like. So, yeah, it's not a very good figure. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you. It's It's kind of a bad thing, but... I suppose you can look at it one of two ways, right? The the kid can either get really, like, really intelligent and good from it or turn into a terrible kid.
1: Yes. I mean, he certainly focused his energy in a good way. Probably because he was blind, he didn't have much choice.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, he has to have someone to protect him. Well, you know what it is. Justice is blind. Ah, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so... It, when when Claire found him, uh, one of the things that you mentioned, we were we were watching this together again. As I mentioned, the, the first couple episodes, and uh, and we're like, why didn't she call the cops, etc. Well, they don't actually reveal that information until the end of the episode, which kind of makes you hold your breath again and be like, I don't, I guess I'll trust that they know what they're doing. Um, but it, the, that
1: wouldn't that that was a good payoff, I thought.
0: Yeah, because the reason is she already knew who he was and what he'd been doing because he was in the black mask he was dressed like people had described him and apparently to her there was a bunch of uh, of like no good deadbeats or bad people that had been coming in all beaten up because of him right so she's like oh so he's like a vigilante and so don't turn him into the cops because he'll probably just be thrown in jail or something right so i get that um and um,
1: maybe she knows about some crooked cops too
0: yeah, perhaps. I mean, I, I don't know anything about her. Um, it's it kind of it kind of makes sense that uh, in this time after the incident, like we talked about earlier, that people are are willing to accept things that are a little uh, off kilter, right? Uh, that. Maybe a little different from the norm, but sure. for example, there's there's this Russian guy He comes to the door. He's looking for Matt. She says he's not here, but uh, but Matt thinks that that he doesn't believe her. So, and we find out shortly afterwards that he's right. So he goes outside and and uh, outside the room and and drops a fire extinguisher down a flight of stairs. Exactly like five
1: flights of stairs.
0: Well, it's still one flight.
1: No, it's like five floors it's a really long way is the point
0: it's a it's a maybe they're connected it's a long flight (laughs) it's stairs down the stairs uh it's the right time to to knock this guy unconscious drags him up to the roof to interrogate him and torture him and actually uh karen kind of uh helps right do you remember what she does
1: uh, well, she stands there with her face covered to sort of help intimidate.
0: No, no, no. no. She she points out to him what the correct like uh, um, uh, nerve is to oh, to yeah. stab with the knife in order to get the most amount of pain out of the out of the guy,
1: and not really like gonna kill him. But she has him stab him like right above the eye.
0: So it seems like right away she's sort of decided already that like maybe I'm uh, should be involved in this. Uh, well, she certainly trusts
1: uh, Matt even though she doesn't know who he is. She calls him Mike over and over again.
0: He still hasn't told her what his she name called,
1: is. She calls him like so many times. Like I it, thought it was like a joke. Like maybe she was just doing it to get him to be like, alright I give up. My name's really Matt. Chill yeah. out.
0: Well the thing about this and, and we kind of mentioned this while we were watching it too is that, uh, is that Mike, I mean Matt um, <laughs> he uh he doesn't seem to care that much about stuff. Uh, he seems a little, like, uh, almost like a, a, a sociopath or uh, um, or someone that... He's that, detached. Yeah, okay. so, so... Because
1: the, he feels like he can take so much pain.
0: Yeah, so the fact that he's able to just kind of, like, you know, tip this guy over the side of the building, um, killing him or not killing him, whatever, like... You know, and and dealing with this woman and, and telling her, the, the way that he talks to her uh, is like, well, you do whatever you want to do, you know. It's Yeah. Uh, and, and he seems to have all these people on his side, and that's cool, but, but you know the people on his side are also going to be somewhat detached or a little strange, which... I, like I said, I mean, it makes sense after this crazy thing that happens in the Avengers, but it's not like everyone suddenly becomes sociopaths. So we have to think, you know, is it, is it that, uh, that he's like a little crazy or is it just that he's like a, a, a super amount of self-confidence or is it a result of uh, how he grew up and how terrible like his father figure was? And Well,
1: he's seen like several superheroes now. I think he's sort of, convinced he feels like he can be one
0: and and i mean that's that's got to be some of it because he is sort of working on his costume as as mentioned uh by her i think in this episode she's like she's like oh nice costume he's like, uh, right. <laughs> he's, like he's like i've been uh toying with it <laughs> So I you know that's that's pretty much just an allusion to later when I'm sure we'll we'll get the reveal of of what's more of a, a thorough, better Daredevil costume. Yeah. And you see a lot of that too in the flashback where um what was the what was the dad's nickname in the ring? Do you remember? It was like uh Oh, I don't know.
1: It was like Punching Bag McGee. <laughs>
0: well it wasn't Punching Bag <laughs> no, McGee. No, it wasn't,
1: but that's
0: who he was. Okay. Well, uh, so, so Jack in that episode, he, he got this, this really nice, um, outfit for the fight he had with, I think his name's Cree or Creed or something like that. And, uh, and I, I, I kind of love the scene where, where he was, uh, where he actually beat up the guy instead of taking the fall, which is definitely a change in what he had been doing for so many years which just seems like taking the fall, taking the money, getting enough to go get by. Yeah, uh, And so the one redeeming thing about his father was that he actually did at the end, you know, do this kind of prideful thing for, for him and for his son, etc. Because he knew that he couldn't just keep taking those falls. But he also knew that he was going to die. So as, as much as it was a prideful and great thing, it was also a selfish and terrible thing, um, which seems to be the M.O. for the dad, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why I don't like him that much. Yeah, but
0: you don't have to like him because... I don't, because he's
1: dead, and I think they're done with that storyline.
0: No, but done or not, you're not supposed to like him.
1: Right, but I don't like... It. All right, People are bad. Okay, like, there's bad people. Right, there's a difference between not liking the kind of character someone is and not liking the way that a character is written. I, that's what I don't like about it. I like the way the character was written. I didn't it, feel like he was a real person.
0: I see. Well, I mean, it is it is sort of the memories of the kid, though. Uh, That's true. But but I, I guess I understand what you're saying.
1: I you know when you think about it from that perspective, it you know I can allow more.
0: Yeah, and it's and it's a you know Marvel it's a more
1: two di- two dimensional thing TV show because you really only know that he's throwing fights once the kid starts overhearing that he was throwing fights. He was yeah. supposed to throw a fight. The kid actually knew he was supposed to throw that fight, and that he didn't, and he won that's why he probably knows that it's his dad is dead.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause the kid's smart and, and, uh, he, he ran out there immediately and he, I guess he kind of figured, um, in the meantime, uh, so foggy and Karen go drinking to forget their problems. And it's kind of a fun sequence. And, uh, and they, they are, are kind of hilarious together. Just, just out there drinking and, and cavorting and having fun. Uh, but, I don't know exactly what the purpose of the scene is other than to show us that they are people outside of Matt Murdoch and that he is not the only focus of the show or that he's not the only person that we should care about. Um, I do think that it's probably just, you know, as a contrast to how terrible Matt and Claire's night was uh, to have this kind of funny alternate sequence going on parallel to that. <laughs> um, it, Screaming it, it, in the hallway. And it did seem like there was a little bit of, like, teasing between the two of them. I don't think Foggy and Karen are destined to be together just because of the type of characters that they are uh, in relation to each other. Um, You know, Foggy's not the guy that gets that kind of a girl. However, they are both flawed individuals, so it could happen. Uh, I'm not really sure what her future is. It's very unclear to me. Uh, Do you have any insight into uh, Foggy or Karen? Um, or Karen, or how they're going to interact with Matt going forward? Well,
1: like I said earlier, I sort of got the vibe for a second that Foggy could be a bad guy, but I sort of don't think that. uh, I I was probably just misreading something. Um, I think that they're both going to be support staff for Matt.
0: Um, They may... Every superhero needs a couple, couple of cohorts. Exactly. And he's found Claire who knows who he is
1: no claire knows that he's mad he know she knows what his face looks like
0: claire knows the identity she knows who he is she doesn't name yes but but she knows who the guy behind the mask is
1: right and a name is not who you are karen has been exposed to the guy (laughs) in the mask as well as his alternate you know identity apparently i just don't it doesn't seem to me that he's going to be able to hide it as well as like some other people can.
0: Well, the show is kind of a dark show, and yeah. I think what, what what a lot of people aren't getting is is how dark it actually is. So if you're literally
1: like every frame is very dark.
0: So if you're dark and it's nighttime and like you know you're wearing all black, no one can see what you look like. So yeah, we, we and have you to have be a
1: freaking it. like thing over your face.
0: But we have to be able to see it, so they have to sort of up the brightness a little bit for us to be able to see the show. <laughs> That's true. But I, I think we need to assume that it's like, it's usually pitch black with no lights and that no one can see who the person is. Right. Um, but you're right. Okay. But you're right. I mean, Karen has interacted with Matt and you know maybe should have recognized his voice or something, but I guess in a lot of these situations, especially, maybe he's
1: pulling a Batman talking like this.
0: Well, yeah, well, I, she's being thrown against a wall and puts a divot in the in the wall. Like she probably doesn't she's remember, probably doesn't remember <laughs> the situation very well. Uh but you're right. I mean all these things are uh, it's interesting to talk about and and uh there is some level of like I said suspension of disbelief that you have to have when you're watching these kinds of shows because of the nature of the show, but I don't want that to be the case. So that's one of the reasons why we'll say so ultimately he's on a mission to rescue this boy who's kidnapped. Uh-huh. And he at the end of the show after he is uh somewhat healed up, not very much by the way. Uh <laughs> He he goes. I in think
1: he f- rests for like uh, several hours.
0: <laughs> he after getting the tracheotomy emergency. <laughs> oh, Jeez. <laughs> but but I mean I don't know I so so he wanders into like this uh, warehouse area where they're keeping him. Uh, all of these uh, all of these guys all these henchmen, and and I love the fight scene because uh, because. What I like most about fight scenes, and did you see, uh, did you see Batman Begins, the first Batman of the new series? Yes. So that was actually one of my favorites because of the way that they were fighting, et cetera. Because I felt like it was more realistic. It was all close combat, like fighting. Um, yeah. I didn't think you know, I don't like like the. Uh, uh, like the bat utility belt and the bat vehicles, and the... <laughs> that's when it starts. You don't like all the Batman gadgets? It gets out of control, If
1: you like the gadgets, then you're probably not a big Batman
0: fan. I'm I'm not a huge Batman fan. Well, that's okay. It gets out of control. I mean, but but I like the fact that like this guy. I mean, if Batman's going to be a badass, right? Then he's going to be a badass the same way that Daredevil is here, in that he's he's kicking people's asses right next to them. Yes, he's, and hand-to-hand... that is definitely
1: one of the features of the latest Batman.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: he was raised by Razagul.
0: <laughs> so uh so I liked I went to see
1: Matt's Razagul.
0: I liked the fight scene with all of the close combat and favorite things uh for me were that people were slow to get up but they kept getting up and he kept getting knocked down and he kept getting up but every time he was like, oh, man, he was like slower getting beaten up, like you could tell he was dazed."
1: It kind of felt like uh a bad, like a monty python sketch or something like that just kept going on and on and that was supposed to end
0: have you ever seen a fight with multiple people
1: uh you mean in real life yeah. No, not
0: really okay so so i've 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 seen one or two and if people are actually fighting for a long period of time then they get dazed and like knock themselves out and then like get back up gather their wits and get back up it's like a football game but that's how it, it actually works. It's not, you know what I mean? It made, no, that fight felt incredibly
1: real. Right. That's what I'm saying. It would had all the close combat. It
0: wouldn't just be like one person, like knocking everybody out and then you're done. And then the fight's over. <laughs> it would, it would be like people getting back up. Like it's what I always hated about those old ninja movies and, and, and stuff like some, like some guy, you know, uh, they, they all just stay on the ground for the duration. Yeah. I'm like, so, so really you hit him that hard that like a full two minutes after he punched them once, they're still just laying on the ground, knocked out unconscious. He he knocked them all out on the first punch. I don't know. I don't think so. So I think it's a little more realistic that you you kick somebody down, you move on to the next guy, but that guy's already getting up. He's right. coming after you again. Um, granted, I mean, there's guns, etc. There's, there's a lot of stuff uh, here that is hard to believe, but it is kind of a superhero movie, so we have to... Or a TV show, so we have to yeah. we have to understand that this guy is a super badass. Right. He is just naturally, like, 20 times better than these people.
1: Well, he's got good genes, and he's got enhanced senses. And we know, like, scientifically, that when you lose one sense, your other senses sort of enhance in order to make up for that.
0: Yeah, and there's not... Now, a lot whether or
1: not he has an abnormal amount of enhancement, we... You know, we'll, well, there's learn, there's not a
0: lot of special effects in the show. They do a little bit of like blurring and 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 uh, weird camera stuff when when they have like the heartbeat filters. Uh, I, I suppose. <laughs> uh, so so I don't know. I mean, but but to be able to hear like the difference in heartbeat of a person from across the room, smell a
1: cologne from a floor below.
0: Well, to, to be able to filter out um, you know thousands of people below you when you're standing up on a rooftop. All of those things are, uh, are very difficult for me to believe if it's just a okay, regular well, person.
1: think about this comparison. Um, watching another superhero movie recently was one of the X-Men movies early on in Professor Xavier's existence. And this happens with a lot of mutants or people with powers. That's psychic, who though. can Who, who have a, a sensory overload because of their power. They eventually learn how to isolate what they want out of
0: it. Well, and what I'm and th- ignore the rest of it. Well, see, that's what I'm thinking though, because if you remember, uh, also earlier in in this episode, uh, Jack goes to visit his son in the hospital, and uh, and he's got the bandages on, you know, and he says he can't see, he can't see, but then he's like, "It's too loud, it's too loud." Right, right. And I, I mean, he's not going to immediately have this burst of I can hear really well. It's just
1: all in comparison.
0: In comparison to what?
1: To having lost one of your senses. I
0: perhaps it is, but if like he... if
1: you if you're in a dark room and you're creeping around a dark room and you're like looking for something, your sense of touch is going to be, you know, advanced.
0: Yeah, but this is over time. Like he
1: just went to the hospital. Look, and suddenly it's going thinks... to really develop over time, but it develops right away. You know, go into a dark room, you can hear everything better. If it's very quiet in a dark room, you can hear every tiny little thing.
0: Well, if it's quiet, you can hear everything. But if you're looking
1: around at things, you're more distracted and your brain isn't going to be as focused as the little noises that are happening in your room.
0: I I suppose I'm just pointing out the the, the possibility of this being more than just, uh, you know, him being genetically a good fighter and able to hear real good.
1: I would be slightly disappointed if whatever chemical that spilled in his eyes happened to enhance his senses.
0: Well, whatever happened to him is probably based on the comic book. So it's not like they could change that. Sure. That's like Spider-Man. You're like, if you, if you had never read the comic book and you're like, Oh, so he got all these powers because he was bitten by a radioactive spider. (laughs) And then you're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to belittle this idea of a radioactive spider giving him powers. I mean, we've already had to suspend our disbelief because we're watching and believing in comic book movies and television. Okay. Right? Yeah. I mean, Thor comes from another planet where Odin lives.
1: But I just like the idea that maybe in the Marvel Cinematic Universe there are a few extraordinary people who don't really have... Like, I mean, shit. uh, Tony Stark... He doesn't have any superpowers other than being incredibly rich.
0: He's a genius, which
1: is a part of a superpower. But that's something that a, a, a person can be a genius.
0: Well, not a normal person because they're not a genius.
1: But he didn't. He nothing was spilled, like you know. Well, on him to make him a super genius. Supernatural
0: things did happen to him, however. If you remember, if you remember the original Iron Man, where he was put in that cave, and then like his heart came out, and then but he, he was the... a
1: genius before he went in that cave. And that is what you said. His power is,
0: but the reason why he, all of this happened to Tony Stark, for example, is because he was put in this situation, which is unbelievable.
1: He lives in a world where the unbelievable can happen.
0: Exactly my point. Uh, but but I'm not I'm not saying I'm not trying to say that that Daredevil is or or is not. Uh, you know, a, a supernatural being. I, I'm just pointing out the details of the episode. Sure. And, and I think
1: we'll learn more about it as we come along. And now that we've discussed it, I think that we have a green light to watch episodes three and four before next week.
0: Which is what you really want to do. I
1: am going to watch episodes <laughs> three and four soon.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we'll uh, we'll keep on with this discussion, and I uh, hope you guys will as well. You can find us a good show. at drink I 5 Network. Really like it. Well, me too. I, I just... I don't want it to go too far. Uh, and I know you brought up some of those uh, sort of devil's advocate things that I normally do um, about the show and about why maybe it it, it couldn't or wouldn't be good, in, in effect.
1: You know, there's a few things that would disappoint me in the show. I don't know that any of those things individually would make the show necessarily bad.
0: <laughs> uh, but it is. It's, it's well done. And I know that, that for example, they... They spend uh, over like a million dollars on each one of these episodes, which uh, Netflix has such a nice budget. And this show
1: is totally better than 20% as good as Game of Thrones.
0: I don't know what that means.
1: It means that Game of Thrones spends at least $5 million per episode.
0: Oh, well... I, $1 million
1: being 20% of
0: that. So Daredevil doesn't have a lot of uh, special effects so far, and it doesn't have a lot of... Uh, of. Um, of like scenes, there's not a lot of like giant scenery. I like, think
1: we're gonna get some
0: more of that. Like this last episode was just an apartment. <laughs> or, there was a lot of in like a rooftop, and then the the previous one was like on a street. Yeah, uh, you have like a warehouse. Like these are all sound stages that already exist in in California. Yeah, you know. But uh, maybe there will be. I don't know. Um, I I look forward to. A couple of things uh look unless you're filming the hobbit
1: you can get it at a sound stage in california
0: yeah for the most part you're right (laughs) so uh so yeah we, we look forward to it drink five network on stitcher on itunes please subscribe and uh and follow along with us uh during the show while we do it or of course you know if you're if you're catching up on uh daredevil after the fact let's say it's uh three weeks from now or six years from now Please uh, continue on with the podcast while you're watching because you can do it at your leisure.
1: All right. We'll drink five, Dave.